welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. I want to talk to you today from Matthew chapter 2. So if you've got your Bible, open your Bibles at Matthew 2. Just keep your finger there. We're going to run through it because uh, there's this juxtaposition. What I find about Christmas is there's things that I love about the Christmas story, and uh, it's particularly this bit that I, that I absolutely love. Next week, I'm going to talk about like, when, when the light comes, the darkness has to go, and that's the whole point of Jesus coming, and uh, it's a cracker, so make sure you're here and bring your family and kids and everything else. We're going to have a great time on Christmas Eve, but you know what I find is that you've got to see the whole story and not just the lovely Christmas card version of what happens at Christmas. Because life is a juxtaposition, isn't it? Have you ever found yourself saying out of your mouth, God is good, but at the same time you feel like you're struggling? Ever saying like, yes, Jesus is my healer, but my body's not that, you know, quite in line with that? Or what about God is my provider? I believe that, but I kind of always feel like I'm just bouncing on the edge of something. Yeah, so it is this juxtaposition of what the, the Bible says is truth about Jesus and who he is and what it looks like. And what I want to say to you at the very start today is the story of Christmas tells you that no matter where you are, whatever, at whatever point you find yourself at this morning, as you get to the end of this year and look into next year, you're not at the end point. At any particular moment of your life where you're saying, God is good, but I'm struggling. That's not the final picture. That's just a point of where you are in time. Do you get that? And oftentimes what happens is, is because of emotion and everything else, we can feel like this is just it. Is this the way that it's always going to be? And you might have come around something a few times actually, but the points along the journey are simply points along the journey. They're not the destination and we don't have to live there. Why? Because God is not finished with you. No matter what stage you're at today, I wanna to tell you that I'm gonna to talk to you about trusting him in the journey because it's not about actually at any point in our life we'll feel like we finally arrived, but it's about experiencing grace upon grace in every day that we are upright, breathing, and above the ground. Do you get that? And I want to talk to you as we go into 2024 about that because it's really important. It's really important that we get a bigger view of not just Jesus and his finished work, but a bigger view of where we are right now in the moment because where you are in the moment has the potential Okay, not to change anything in the past, but to rob you of the future that God has for you. And if this Christmas story is anything, it tells us that actually part of the story is there to show us from the very beginning, God was saying, listen, always have faith that your best days are in front of you. And wherever you're at right now in this moment, you are not at the end. You know, sometimes we might go, well, I don't feel like I'm at the end physically because, you know, I'm not thinking I'm going to pop off, you know, this mortal coil tomorrow at any stage. That's not the point. But on the inside, we can kind of live like with low expectation and low, low sense of hope for the future. And so we kind of feel like we're just at the end. And what we do is we settle right down to this is just the way that it is. And I want to speak into that this morning. Is that okay? Because in Matthew chapter two, you're going to see actually, particularly in a in a world full of doom and gloom, your perspective is everything. As you go into 2024, you know, how you decide to view things and see things will be critical to what plays out for you in the months to come. It won't particularly be about the events that happen in your life, but the outcome will be absolutely determined by your reaction to those events. Do you get that? 
The events are going to come, folks. I'm not preaching doom and gloom this morning. It's just a, real, it's a realistic look at what life is like. I am believing for my life and for my kids that we're going to see goodness and favor and blessing, protection, health, safety, soundness, provision in Jesus' name. I don't know what you're believing for, but Penny and I speak that and pray that over us every single morning because that's what I want to see for me and my children and for my children's children. Not that we're having them anytime soon, but when they come, what I think of, <laughs> that's not a prophetic word, I hope, all right? <laughs> If you're listening, Ben, but the thing is, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I thought I might as well put seed in the ground early, right? In terms of my line. And it's interesting for me to go in a world that's full of doom and gloom, negative, negativity and fear, the driving spirits of the day. If we, if we continue to take our cues from that and from the, the world around us, you're going to be in trouble. And the story of Christmas is amazing. The second part of the story of Christmas is absolutely amazing. It's steeped in biblical history and prophecy. And it announces that wherever you're at right now, God is working to bring about his good purpose for you. You're just, can I just say to you, whatever is going on with you this morning, you're not at the end. Somebody say amen. amen. I am not, God is not finished with me yet. Amen. amen. My best days are in front of me. Amen. And Christmas is that time. And it's a brilliant time to keep that focus. So let's, let's have a look. Okay, so if you have a quick look, uh, if you turn up to, to uh, Matthew chapter 2, we're going to start reading uh, around verse 13. We'll start around there. And if you have a quick look, right, at the Christmas story, right now, everyone will be up to their oxters and angels and sheep. And did you see that thing on the internet, that meme of that wee, that wee kid who was uh, door holder number three? Oh, right, we have to show you that this next week. It was, it's the cutest thing. This kid talking to his mummy, he's only a wee toad, maybe about P1, P2. And he's saying that he got like the best part in the Christmas play. And his mummy's going, is it Mary and Joseph? No. Guess again, mummy. And he, are you a shepherd? No. She goes, well, what is it? He went, it's a classic. I am door holder number three. <laughs> and she goes, that is amazing. And he goes, she says, who are you going to be holding doors for? And the wee fella goes, I don't know. Mary, Joseph, I don't know. But I'm door holder number three. <laughs> Do you know, and I just thought, isn't it? We'll have to show it next week. It's just Brilliant, all right? And I thought, I want to be that wee lad. Do you mean? It just, it, honestly, in one moment, I looked at how he was viewing being door holder number three, when most of us want to be Mary and Joseph or a shepherd, right? Okay? And absolutely, he's going, I can't believe when I look at this, I am going to kill it. I'm going to hold the door. <laughs> I don't even know who I'm holding the door open for, it, but the excitement in his eyes and the joy in his eyes, and he's just like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. And I thought, Lord... That's what we need a bit of here, isn't it? Because the outcome is not about the event. It's about how we choose to respond to that event. If we respond with faith in what grace can do for us and what grace has done for us, then you'll have your best year yet. And that's not some kind of um, cheap snake oil that I'm trying to give you this morning. That's the promise of God over your life right now. So wherever you are, God is not finished. And if you look at the Christmas story, right? There's a bit that you never see on a Christmas card. You'll see the angels, you'll see the shepherds, you'll see um, mostly angels and shepherds and mangers, isn't that right? But you don't see this But Shall we read about it? Let's look at 13. Now, when they had departed, <coughs> behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child, that's Jesus, and his mother, Mary, and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child and destroy him. And he rose and he took the child and his mother by night 
and departed to Egypt. I suppose, to be fair to Joseph at this stage, you know, we, we t- <laughs> at this stage, an angel appearing and saying, you need to get up and go, it's kind of like, all right, another angel. Do you know what I mean? It's like, because I often look at this and go, flip me. You know, he just responded straight away. But like angels are appearing to this guy left, right, and center. So he's really used to it, but he still obeys, right? And remain in Egypt there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem. You've got to see later on, this is a picture of God's prophecy around what happens under law and what he will do under grace, okay? And so it's amazing, just a wee bit of depth, more into this story than what we see. And all that region who were two years of under, according to that time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they care no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are now dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother, and he went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth so that what, what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Now, if the visit of the wise men had seemed like a bit of a dream, then, like, this is amazing. What comes next is, is surely a nightmare, isn't it? God communicates with Joseph again through an angel, and he speaks to him in a dream. And the angel tells Joseph, Go, get up, run to Egypt, because Herod is just about to find Jesus and kill him. And Matthew 2, 14, if we read it again, it says, Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. Now, what ha- it's, it's, it's interesting what sometimes happens here. Because when Jesus comes, the light of the world, into a dark, dark, dark world. It's a picture of what happens in, in your life and mine whenever we receive the word of grace. Whenever... People live in darkness, and, and once you're brought into the, into the kingdom of God, you, you're in the light. You're no longer in darkness. But when, whenever we receive a word of truth, there's something that some of us haven't quite twigged on to yet, and so we go around in a cycle of disappointment. Because whenever the word comes, what we're going to see here, this is a picture given to us by the Lord where, where he's going to say, this is how to receive grace upon grace and walk into the fullness of it, even when it looks like everything's going backwards in your life or things are not going to plan. Now, I can imagine Joseph at this point is probably gone, isn't this flipping brilliant? Like, angels appear. I have this beautiful baby boy. Like, the Lord, you know, this, 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 he's going to be the light of the world. He's the Savior. And then all of a sudden, you, you'd be thinking, oh, this is going to be pretty good. Like, I don't know what you would think if the Lord had appeared to you and said, by the way, you're going to parent the, the Savior of the world. You might have had ideas in your head, right, of flip, it's going to turn out all right. Like, who's going to put their finger on us? Who's going to touch us? Like, this word has come to us, and we can start to see the, f- the fruit of this, this little baby. And then all of a sudden, I find myself in a nightmare. The word that God has spoken about this promise is now under threat. Notice the Lord didn't say, hey, don't worry about it. I've got this covered at this point. You know, he just said, you need to get up and go because there are things afoot that are going to... St- 
kill this baby. And it's interesting at the time, when you actually go and you look at what happened, Herod did kill children. And, you know, you can guess at the number of baby boys who were murdered that day in Bethlehem by looking at historically uh, the numbers who lived there and what the birth rates were. And so I did that. And, you can, and typically what you'll see at the time, uh, if you look at the presumed population of Bethlehem, it was probably between 25 and 30 young boys were killed in one day, right? Wee babies killed in one day. That's what it probably looked like. Now, when we read in Jeremiah 18, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they care no more. Okay? What we start to see is what happens here was an echo of prophecy. So whenever those baby boys were killed, it was an echo of prophecy that was per first, we start to see it first with Moses, and then you, you start to, to read these bits of the Bible. What did this mean? Rachel re weeping for her children. Well, what happened in, in Ramah, right? was that when the northern kingdom of Israel was taken away into captivity by the Assyrians, uh, this was about 700 years before this happens. Ramah was the town where the Israelite captives were gathered together. So they would gather all, all the Israelites together, the Assyrians, and they're going to move them towards, uh, you know, obviously towards Assyria. They're going to take them away from Israel. Now, what happened, the practice at the time, was that if your captives were too weak and couldn't make it, and they couldn't do a forced march. They would have been put to death there and there. They wouldn't have taken weak people with them, and that included kids, right? And so they, they would murder them and put them to death in Ramah before the journey began. So when Israel thought of Ramah, it was a place of great grief. There were, you know, many, 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 many uh, Israelites were killed by the Assyrians, and, and from the captives, it was the, part, it was the point of departure where they would leave and would never see their promised land again. Now, so that's what's, that's what's happening. That's what all this, I'm going to pull this together in a second, right? So all that's going on, you might go, that's dead on, but what does that mean for me today? Well, the first application is very, very simple. Whenever you receive anything of the finished work of Jesus as a revelation into your heart, do you get that? You know, there's moments where you might listen to me or somebody else, or you might read something and something excites you in it. <laughs> no, that never happens when we listen to you. <laughs> Now, I'm going to give you a Bible and say that it's been a busy weekend, but let me try that again. Do you know the way when you're listening to me and the revelation of Jesus comes? That's what you needed to say. Thank you so much, right? Okay, see, in those moments, okay, when, uh, when the Lord's trying to plant something of grace in your heart, like, it's like receiving this baby into your, and, and the promise of God. What happens is, be aware that at the point where you receive something, the devil will always try to kill something when it's young and weak. Why is that moment, why is it like that? Because a baby at this stage is vulnerable. Now, this has got nothing to do with age. Before you go, well, I'm a 60-year-old man. I mean, what, what's that got to do with me? I'm not a 60-year-old man, by the way. I'm just saying, if you are. Like, if you're a 35-year-old uh, young man, right? <laughs> you might go, well, it's, nothing to, it's got nothing to do with age. It's got nothing to do with your physical age. When you receive the word of grace, a promise, or a moment, okay, what happens is, at that very moment, the enemy will try to steal it from you and turn the promise of God into that which becomes a nightmare. And I'll tell you how he does it. Right? What he does is he comes along and he brings you back to a place where Ramah was a place of grief because of the past. Do you get that? And so in this place where God is speaking promise and, and, and speaking to Mary and Joseph, what happens is that the devil comes and he goes, but this is a place of grief that will never be you'll never get past. Your past will haunt you 
not just in those days, but in the days to come. It's a place of weeping where you will not be comforted. Do you understand that? And so I just want to encourage you. That's why you've got to keep hearing and hearing and hearing. Speak, Lord, your servant listens. Right? That's why you've got to keep hearing the word of grace, hearing about the love of God, hearing about the grace of Jesus for your life. Why? Because there's no neutral in the world. Negativity and cynicism and fear and condemnation are always on the march. They always surround us. They're always, our, our enemies surround us. But what do we do? We don't fight those things. We turn our face to Jesus to receive grace upon grace. And what he does is he takes the places of mourning and grief and he's gonna turn it around and say, right now, it might look like with your physical eyes that this is still the same place of grief, but this story's not finished yet. This story is not finished yet. Some of you have got to remind yourselves today, my story is not finished yet. I might be at this point in my story, but he is not done with me. There is grace upon grace upon grace still for me in the days to come. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay? And so that's the first application. And what you can do, okay, in order to protect the word that comes is notice like Joseph gets up and he obeys. And you kind of go like, well, I, I do talk to the Lord about this, right? Okay. And the whole thing of angels appearing, like, would definitely get my attention. Like, I am a slow learner. I was a, what you might call a late adopter into the pantomime world, <laughs> right? A very late adopter, right? It might be described as a laggard in technical terms, a laggard, right? Right at the end of the curve. And um, so I'm a slow learner. And so I, was, I, I said, uh, Lord, you know what? If you send an angel, though, you'll probably get my attention. Because like, some, like, sometimes with men, like, we just need it like, really cut and dry, don't we? Like, a bit, like, like do you see it? Oh, it's an angel. What are you saying? Right, I hear you. The nuance and the subtlety, not so much, right? But what's interesting here is when I, when I looked about it again, like the Lord appears in a dream, right? And it's, so it's not really in his, you know, the, the Lord's appearing in different ways to Joseph. I felt the Lord say, look, you know what? See, whenever, I, you, you've got you've to go and move on the word. That God, how do you protect the word that God speaks to you? Act on it. Do you get that? When he comes and he says, go, then go. How we rob ourselves of confidence for our futures when we hear the word and we don't have trust in it and faith in it, and we come back to our own strength, our own ability, our own reckoning, and we find ourselves right back at the start of the process. How to protect that which the devil is trying to steal from you is take faith and mix it with grace. And then you will see the goodness of God. Because the goodness of God has to be walked into. It has to be grasped. It has to be taken, okay, in your hands. Not to create the outcome, but to step into a position where God can move you forward. Do you get that? And one of the things about Joseph is he moved and, you know, he obviously, he needed a big angel at the start and Gabriel appearing to everyone and John and all that stuff's crazy, right? We'll do it next week. But at this point, the Lord's dream, there's dreams and like you will have, I guess for me, what I'm saying is this, when God speaks to you, whenever you receive a word, God, you will know what it's like to receive it and for it to light you up a little bit on the inside. Call that God speaking to you at a dream or an impression or whatever way. The key thing is movement of faith afterwards. Do you get that? You don't do that, then 
the devil can just pull it away. Why? Because you have no confidence in it in the, in the word anyway. And what I'm trying to encourage you. Do you think Joseph felt afraid here? I bet you he was abs- I bet not just afraid. I bet you he was a bit confused. He didn't know what was happening in Egypt. It's a bit like me saying for some of you, go live in Newton Arge. Can you imagine the fear? <laughs> Can you imagine what that would feel like? <laughs> Never have I seen You mean past Don- go past Donald, my son? No, Lord. <laughs> like I would need an angel. I would need an angel driving me over there <laughs> and dropping me off at the front door wherever I was going. But you get it? It wasn't like, <laughs> you know, people give me the evils from the bottom left here, right? But can you, can you just imagine it? You see, you see we, we, excuse, we, we make excuses sometimes for ourselves. We go, well, it was different for them. It was not different. Joseph didn't know Egypt. He didn't know what it was like. It was foreign to him. It was far away from him. He must have had a million questions in his head. What if? What about? Flip me. Go, did I hear you right the first time? Well, I've got a baby, you know, kind of miraculously. So there's something I've got. You know, like when you think about what it's like in his head, you probably have gone, I have enough of God's testimony in my life, don't you? You've all seen the goodness of God. You've all experienced the goodness. of. There's enough of God in your life that you can look at and go, well, I can see the baby. But now you're asking me to go here, but I don't know what here looks like, so I'm not sure. And what happens is the devil comes in, and not only do you not walk forward, he then condemns you doubly for going, well, sure, you don't have faith, and you don't believe, and you don't do all the rest of it. When the Lord speaks, can I encourage you in 2024? Move. Put faith behind the finished work of Jesus. That, is, that will not lift you up in God's books. He will not love you anymore for it. He will not, you know, it's not like you'll go up in his estimation in any way. You know, he loves you perfectly and completely right now, but he says, I want you to trust me and trust means move. Do you get that? Because the devil can't, you know, one of the things that's, that's true is that you are most, you can be very vulnerable in journey for sure, right? But you can be vulnerable when you're stationary too. At least when you're moving towards something, right? You've got a future. You know where you're going. You might, you know, can, can I just say as well, your future doesn't, see the world, it cracks me up because the world looks like, you know, if it's on a graph, it's like if you watch the Instagram influencers, excuse me, your, your world goes like this. It's just this massive curve up the way. And if your life's not going like brilliant more every day, you know, kissing muscles and, you know, making millions and whatever, right? I don't know what I was doing there to be fair. But, um, <laughs> It's not, your life goes like that. That's normal. And if anyone tells you it's not normal, quite frankly, they're spoofing. But you've got to know which way you're pointed. And the way that we want to point ourselves is on what the Lord has spoken to us and said, I've dropped that word in, now go. That's the adventure that you want to live. Not Speak to me, Lord. Show me the direction. Help me out here. And the Lord does. And then you go, well, I'm not really sure about that. You know how often we do that? And what happens then? You hear, the problem is the second time you hear that word, right? Your reference is, I'm in Rama. It doesn't work. It's a place of weeping. And the Lord needs to minister into that place to go, no, when you hear me, go. When you hear me say, be generous in your giving, give. Why? Because I'm moving you into a blessing. When he says, take that step and apologize because I'm restoring the relationship. Uh, but I should do it, okay? Does that make sense? Second thing is this, is that 
Um, Herod, Herod's an interesting guy in this story. He believed that he was the king. Well, he, he was the king, actually, uh, appointed. And so what happens is Herod sees Jesus as a threat. And it's exactly the same in our life today. Patterns and thinking and lies that are not, our, not of God have a place of authority in our lives. What does authority do? Right? If you think of Herod in this story and what he's going to try to do, he's going to try and kill, kill the promise of God. He's going to try and kill the promise of grace. That's the picture. And how does he, so what does Herod represent? He simply represents authority. But what is authority? Does it, have you ever think about this? Authority is something in your life that has the power to direct or control, the power to point you in a direction, and the power to influence you. And quite, quite often, we, we, you know, we have authority in the land, and that's fine, and we, we, we uh, respect our government, pray for our government. Well, we would if we had one, but there's another story. And, uh, right, but we pray for whoever's up the hill, do whatever. What do they do all day? I'm only joking. That's a joke. My brother would kill me for that. Uh, um, but we, you know, but you, you pray and you respect, but it's not a, particularly about the government here. It's about things that you've given a place of authority in your life to. That's what this is about. Herod represents those things that, um, that you have given yourself to, and right now they're directing or partly directing the course of your life. And we all have them. It can be thoughts or patterns. It can be habits. It can be belief systems. It can be ways of behaving. And, and, when the, uh, and sometimes, you know, it's interesting with Herod. He was insecure because it was going to take away his place of authority in, in, in the nation. And so Jesus was seen as a threat. And can, can I just tell you, you know what? Like the, the devil is terrified of you finding real freedom because then you become absolutely like a powerhouse for the kingdom of God. He's terrified of you finding freedom, terrified of you finding life, terrified of you finding breakthrough. Why? Because all of a sudden when authority falls in your life and, and the, the grace of Jesus is the authority, then when you give that testimony, you will break that in other people. And part of the thing here for Mary and Joseph, as I start to get into this bit of the story, is to go that, the, that where they were at in their journey was not about them, it was about the greater plan that God had. So him stepping up and moving in and then refusing to sit under an, a, a false authority was because when he did that in his world, we all got the benefit. Am I making sense to you today? Like, do you know what? The most miserable place to be is when your head is down just looking at your own navel, Right? per me, per this, per that, per the other, all right? I'm not saying that we don't all have challenges. I've lived in a house full of emotional women singing the bare necessities for the last two months, right? You th <laughs> I can't sing this. <laughs> that was just Penny. Never mind the girls. Why can't I sing her song? Her song's better than mine. It's really interesting is with your own kids, you can't tell them what to do. Sing louder. <laughs> it's like, honest to goodness, absolutely crazy. <laughs> but what, I don't know what I was saying. Right, anyway, but, but what's interesting is, he, like, when you receive that word and insight and you feel like you're battling hard, right, what I want to say to you is this, is that, like, what you need to do is you need to look at this story and see that Jesus, you know what we talk about, Jesus always went before us. You don't have to do it on your own because all you have to do is look at what Jesus did and he went before you in that, in what I'm talking to you about to do it for you so that you can come behind him in his work. So let, let, let's, have a, let's have a look about this. Um, are we doing okay for time? Yeah, okay. So 
What Matthew's doing here is he's showing us that all the key points about the life of Israel are being repeated in Jesus's life at this point. So in this way, Jesus can fulfill the scripture because he's the greatest Israelite of them all and, and his life follows the contours, really, of the nation's history. So, so what about your future? What can we learn about 2024? What can we learn about January, February, March? Well, in Matthew 2, 15, there's this verse. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the Lord the prophet. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. So Matthew here, some of you biblical scholars will know that actually what Matthew's doing here is he's quoting Hosea 1, verse 1. And it's, it, it signals to subtly but very powerfully that God is still in control and that God still has a plan for us even when our world seemed to be at their worst. Because the first time that God called his son, which is the people of Israel, out of Egypt, what he did was he raised up Moses as an instrument of deliverance. Now listen to me in this. This is Jesus going before everything I've said to you before. How can you do that? It's because Jesus did it first for you. And if he did it first for you, you walk in his work, his empowerment, his ability. You don't have to do it yourself. The first time around, they had to do it themselves, okay? Remember the verse that the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, John 1, 17. Well, there's a parallel here between Moses and Jesus. In Exodus, you find Pharaoh issuing a decree, like Herod does, that all the Hebrew infants are to be killed, all those under two. Then through God's intervention, Moses' life is, is preserved. And many years later, he, God uses Moses to lead Israel out of captivity as God calls his son out of Egypt. And so wh why, does, why does Matthew quote Hosea here? Because Matthew is saying that God is doing this all again. He's doing it again. He's delivering his son out of Egypt, right? And the reason why he's doing that is because this time it will be a greater deliverer than that which came under the law. It will be the son who came in grace. And what happens then is he's saying that this son that he's given in grace will be a greater deliverer than anything that was ever given under the law. Because the first Moses, the law, brought deliverance only to the people of Israel, but this second Moses, Jesus, will bring deliverance to the whole world. And that's why... That's why Jesus is sent to Egypt. Because the first time that we were delivered from the law, right, and it was never enough. Right? When the law was given, and the, law, you know, the people are delivered and the law is given, but they never find freedom. So what happens is, so that we can walk in freedom today, the Lord is sent back to Egypt, and this time the Lord says, I'm calling him out, and this time it just won't be for the, the nation of Israel, it will be for us all so that you can know that at any point in your life, no matter where you are, you can look at his journey and go, my journey's not finished yet, because he has done the journey before me. Does that make sense? I guess what I'm, I'm trying to encourage you this morning, folks, to go, you know, like, what is the whole point of the, this bit of the story? It's probably, because Mary and Joseph are probably sitting there thinking, what on earth's going on? What on earth's going on? You spoke something to us, you did something pretty miraculous in our lives, but he, we're carrying the Son of God, and now it looks like we're going backwards. Why am I hiding from things that want to kill me? Why is there still stuff in my life with a place of authority that has the, the, the chance still in my life to wreck the promise of God in me? Why is it that even though I've received and I can see your promise in my life, that I find myself today in a place 
where it feels like those other things keep me in a place of, of weeping. And the Lord says, look at Jesus in this story. Look at what he did. He came to this place of Egypt. He left, right? That place of sorrow goes back to Egypt. I call him out of that. And he comes back, not like the first children of Israel, but the second, right? This is the second time. And this time it's grace. And because of grace, your story is not finished. Do you get that? That's what I love about Christmas. That's what I love about Christmas. I think, you know, I, I do. Do you, know what, do you know what I'm so excited for this week? Does anyone know what happens this week? Don't say Santa comes or like we're all close. <laughs> Santa comes, close, all right? <laughs> Guess what happened? Come on, if you know me well enough, you'd know this. What? The nights are turning. I hate the dark nights. I've got that seasonal whatever this deficiency. Though Penny says to me, you've got that all year. <laughs> right? Seasonal, what is it? Effectiveness disorder? You don't like the dark nights and all that. But, but the, 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 lights, the nights start to turn. Oh, you'll see a spring in my step this week. You know what I mean? I'll be like a whole new man. I'll even have my Christmas jumper on next week because... That was a lie. I'm never going to have a Christmas jumper on. And uh, somebody told me off yesterday. I was wearing a black hoodie. And they said, is that your Christmas jumper? I just looked them dead in the eye and went, it matches my mood. <laughs> Let's just say they cleared off very quick. <laughs> but I, I love it. I lo do, you know, do you know what I really love? And do it this Christmas, right? Do it this week. You can... I. I and I started to, to preach on this a few weeks ago when we were looking at Joshua and stuff like this. It's like, there's these, there's, don't miss these two key points as you trust him in the journey. There's something bigger going on for you right now. And you might not even see it, but he's working. I think for Mary and Joseph, they didn't see, see that massive thing of prophecy, like the Lord healing the past healing the weeping and the sorrow, the place of deliverance or the place of slavery and no deliverance. And the Lord's starting then to really, like as, as they're physically moving around, they don't see the bigger purpose that God is weaving above them. Do you get that? Don't miss what he does because we, we don't slow down, spend time, connect. Remember I've been talking about just sit in the presence of Jesus and let him speak to you. Don't bring him all your stuff. Just sit there and let him minister and he'll start to show you his love and grace upon grace in your life. He will do that for you. Because Mary and Joseph didn't understand that there's something bigger going on. But you know what I love about literally the night's turning? Friday, I believe it is, isn't it? Thursday at night. Oh, thank you, Jesus. All right. All right. Is it for me, what, <laughs> and this is the serious bit of it. It always feels like to me, like, I need in my life to know that no matter how dark it is, it's always getting brighter, right? And my life's good. My life's awesome. You know, I, I like my life, Penny, and the kids. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be careful when you say it. Like, you think, oh, like, our house is terrible. It's not. Our house is quite good fun most of the time. I, and I believe that our best days are yet to come because we're not going to be doing pantomime. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I am yet. Oh, no, you're not. <laughs> Because what Christmas tells me is this whole story of Jesus coming out, out of Egypt, you know, of taking my son is what the law could never do for me, grace has done it all. So if I see that at this point in my journey, he's going to take a place of weeping 
and a place of sorrow where there was no comfort and show me that just right now, if I can trust and put movement and faith behind it, I'm gonna walk into a much bigger purpose. Can I just say that's what the Lord has for you in 2024? He, he, but he wants to minister that, to that to you over Christmas. This week as you get on, don't get too busy. I know we'll be busy anyway, but don't get, don't get too crazy busy because what you don't wanna do is live reactively to what goes on in your life. When the Lord puts a seed in your life and gives you a word like this, then protect it. Hold it, guard it. Why? Because he's leading you from grace to grace and glory to glory. And I honestly believe that for you. I, I honestly wanted to just say as I finish up, you know, many of you don't know what God's doing in your life. You know, you, we don't see the bigger thing that God weaves together, but he never stops working. That's what I love about the grace of Jesus. When I stop and surrender in a moment, you know, one of the things that's interesting, like even with our business and stuff like that, I said to Penny a few months ago, I don't want to live 2024 what it was like in 2023. We were blessed in 2023. But it, was, it, was, it felt like more work than what it should have been. I said to Penn, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to have a word of grace that comes and says, you know, the work of your hand is, is blessed, and fit, but I feel like I'm working way too hard at it. Do you know that? And you just know that. You, and so for me, when the word comes, I've got to protect it and in, put some faith behind what 2024 looks like for us in that. But I love the way the Lord speaks that now. And before 2024 comes, do you get that? Because the outcome will not be about all the events that I work through. It'll be how I choose to see and react and respond to them. That's gonna be the difference. So if I can encourage you, God is working. Where you're at right now is not the end of your journey. Lift your head up, lift your heart up, lift your eyes up to see Jesus this Christmas. And I'll just finish by saying, what Penny and I pray every morning, and I know I joke, but we do pray every morning. And just, we pray over the kids, we pray over each other, we pray about whatever's going on. But we all, I always make sure that I voice and vocalize. Lord, you know what? I might not know, right, what you're doing. I might not see the end of the story, but we just say thank you that you're the way maker. Thank you that you're making a way today when we can't see it. Thank you, Lord, that in rooms that we're not in, you're blessing and favoring us. Thank you in situations that we are not physically present in or neither could we ever influence that you are working there for our good. And thank you, Lord, that when I can't see it, you can. And so we simply trust you. And we vocalize that, don't we? And we, we say it out loud and we pray it and we say, and it settles my heart at the start of every day to go, when the devil comes at seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, he's not gonna steal that word of grace because we have taken faith in the morning to speak out and believe that even though where we are right now, it's not the end of the journey. He ain't finished with us yet. Amen. Can I encourage you to do that? Is that helpful this morning? You enjoy that? Okay, because I, that, that for me, that's what I love. You know, for me, Christmas, it's almost like get all the stuff out of the way and it's like new beginnings, right? It's new beginnings. When Thursday, come Thursday night, just think of me celebrating running up and down the north road with my t-shirt above my head <laughs> going the light nights are coming right but it is it's coming and it's coming for you guys too amen close your eyes and let me pray and we're going to take communion together
Father, I want to thank you for your word this morning and thank you for this time. I want to thank you, Father, that um, for every one of us, Lord, where it's felt like just, like, is this it? When we think about maybe our children or our families or anything else, we kind of go, is this just it? I didn't think I would be here. I've had promise in my life. I've had you speak to my life, but I didn't think I would be here. I just pray right now a revelation of Jesus and his finished work for you. I pray that right now that you would see that the Lord is watching over every bit of your life. He knows every hair in your head, every wrinkle, every crinkle. He knows you're going out, you're coming in. Right now in your family, in your work, in every relationship, in your finance, in every area of your life, he is working. He doesn't slumber, he doesn't sleep. He's ministering now, he's working now. And so, Father, we can stand here and say, thank you, Jesus. Our journey is not finished. Father, I pray right now for people who um, have felt when they, when they look to the future, it's hard because there's been a place of sorrow where they didn't see your goodness come through. I pray right now, Father, for healing in our hearts this Christmas, that we were going to 2024 not shouting and bawling and roaring and getting on, but Father, with a quiet, quiet confidence that Jesus is the King, that your word is true, that your grace to us is unbending, unending, and it is always, always, always working for our good. Father, I speak, just what Penny spoke earlier on really resonated with me about restoration and turnaround this Christmas. I pray, Father, for that. That's a word that some of you are gonna need to receive. You're gonna say, yes, Lord, this Christmas, not just tinsel and glitter, but a deep work of your light breaking into darkness, into things that have been held, things that have been stuck, things that have been difficult. I pray right now in Jesus' name over every family, over every child, over every situation. Lord, you know it all. And we pray right now, grace upon grace, into every single one. Into those kids who seem far away. Into those relationships that seem broken and fractured. We pray this word of restoration, Lord. And we take faith in that today. To go, we will not let the, the disappointment of the past have authority into our tomorrow but this Christmas Lord as we rest and receive from you and enjoy our time together enjoy our time with our families and and eating and drinking and celebrating your birth Lord I pray that deep 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 in our lives Lord that your spirit would work and bring about your good purpose in us and around us you receive that word for yourself this morning amen why don't you stand up we're going to take communion together and uh are you feeling blessed this morning? Yeah. yeah. Good. Let's take this bread in your hands. And uh, we take communion this morning not because it's a ritual, but because it's a, a deeply profound and spiritual moment where we, as Pastor Marcel last week, I thought did a phenomenally good job talking about, you know, you set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I think this is like the ultimate act of rebellion to the fear to the 
um, anxiety to the pressing in of the world, I think one of the ultimate rebellious acts is to sit there at the table of God and eat of the finished work. Like, because there's not a power in this earth, around this earth, on this earth, beneath this earth, that can stand against the finished work of Jesus in your life. And so we take this bread in our hands, Father, this wafer, and we say, thank you for your body broken for us. Thank you that when your body was broken, we were healed. It made the way for health and for wholeness in our bodies and in our minds. And Father, this morning, as we stand in this place, we thank you over every body, over every condition. We speak health and wholeness. We speak that restoration, Lord, in hearts and stomachs and knees and backs and everything else. Lord, you know it all. Right now, Jesus, we speak health and life and wholeness. Amen. Father, we thank you for your blood poured out. Father, we thank you that when your blood was poured out, every sin was taken care of, past, present, and future. We thank you, Father, that there's not one person in here this morning in Christ who stands condemned. God, you love us. You're proud of us. You look at us with joy. Lord, your heart leaps when you look at your children. Father, you, you, you don't see us in our mess and in our dysfunction, but you look at us through the finished work of Jesus. And so therefore you see us perfect and complete, the gift of righteousness given to us this morning. So we put that on this morning, some of us. We put that on and we, like a cloak around us, Father, and we say thank you that as you look at me, Lord, you see the righteousness of Christ. And so with that, Lord, we drink and we say to everything that would come against us to steal that word of grace as we drink of the finished work. And we thank you that they have no power against us. Amen. Amen. Churchy encouraged. It's good, isn't it? It's good to be in the presence of God. Receive that word this morning. What we're going to do is we're going to sing. Our worship guys are going to come up. Um, I want to encourage you just as we finish this morning. We're going to take our offering. And what we encourage you to do is we encourage you to be a generous giver in this church. We believe in the tithes. We believe in our offerings. We do that not because of guilt or we're compelled to. We do it because we know that we position ourselves for grace upon grace. I, I love it. You know, the spirit of the world will have you bound in fear over your money and your provision. And the Lord says, I have already gone before you to provide and oversupply everything that you need. So take faith and add it to that word. Mix faith and grace together and you'll see God do incredible things so let's worship the Lord together let's lift our hands and our hearts let's not be distracted in these last moments of our time together let's give generously and say thank you Lord that you're not finished with me that my journey's not done that you are taking every place of weeping and sorrow in my life you are turning it into a place of grace and all those people said